Zehra Berkel was a Kurdish feminist from Kobani, Syria, a coordinator of the Kongrastar women's rights movement. A former Heva Sora Kurd or the Kurdish Red Crescent member and ex-chair of the Kobani Justice Commission, she was a popular figure in the Syrian Kurdish intelligentsia and feminist circles. Perhaps that was why. On 23rd June 2020, a Turkish drone crossed the Syrian border into Kobani and attacked the house of Zehra Berkel. None survived. Hi there. Welcome to Veltas Populi. In this episode, we will be looking at the multilateral genocide of one of the most persecuted communities in the world. We will be seeing how Turkey, majorly, has been exterminating the Kurds, the historical preconditions to the same, the somewhat lacking international reaction, and how the Kurds are fighting back. Between the 10th and the 11th century, the first Kurdish tribes arrived in central Anatolia, or the Kurdish regions of present-day Turkey. The Kurdish settlement was founded in the 15th century in a town called Kurtla. Then, the Kurds assimilated with the Ottoman Empire. There were rebellions, of course, but most of the Kurds were happy with the Ottoman millet system, in which each community ruled itself by its own laws, a sort of semi-autonomous republic. However, when the Caliphate fell in 1924, and after the Turkish dictator Mustafa Kemal Atatürk declared the Secular Republic of Turkey in late 1923, the Kurds persecution again. While the entire move was done in good nature, the Kurds resented their lack of opinion with regards to ruling themselves with their own laws. Additionally, Ataturk had ruled over all the other identities and communities in Turkey, believing in a unitary national, political, social and ethnic identity, the Turkish identity. While it is a good idea, what defined Turkish, though, was a subject to great debate. And this may as well have led to countless ethnic cleansing operations, Armenians, Yazidis, Greeks, under the banner of Kemalism. By the Turkish constitution of 1924, it made the situation far more clear. Kurdish could not be spoken in public places. Kurdish landowners would have their land taken and given to Turkish-speaking landowners and inspectorate generals ruled vast tracts of Kurdish regions by decree and martial law. Perhaps that is why the 1937 Dersim rebellion took place in current-day Tilmseli. This was followed by an out-of-proportion Dersim massacre where tens of thousands of Kurds were massacred. All of them local civilians with little or nothing to do with the Dersim rebellion. All they had done had been complicit with the rebellion against the process of Turkification. However, these atrocities did not stop, not even after the coup of 1960. The Devlet Planlama Teskilati, or the DPT, decided that they must perform ethnic intermixing, migration and resettlement so as to ensure that the Kurdish identity never truly forms. This caused great turmoil. And even then, the Kurds could not fight back. And until the 1980s, the Kurds weren't even classified as Kurdish. They were known 
as mountain Turks. That's like calling the Jewish Yahweh Muslims. The Kurdish were still not free of their genocidal masters. The unfall genocide took place in Iraq under Saddam Hussein. Between 1986 and 1989, the unfall genocide, literally translating to spoils of war, it showed the main purpose of the extermination as well. Cattle, sheep, goats, money, weapons, and even women were traded as spoils of war. Saddam Hussein used methods such as chemical warfare and aerial bombing kill civilians. Kurds were rounded up, taken to concentration or detention camps, and faced poison gas, starvation, exposure, firing squads, and around 100,000 civilians have been killed in cold blood. 14th April remembers this genocide. When Turkey started transcending into a more democratic state than it was, the ban on Kurdish language was uplifted. And in 2012, they finally led optional lessons of Kurdish in public schools. They gave certain concessions like radio and TV Kurdish broadcasts, but not until the European Union itself asked for the same with international pressure. Atrocities like this still take place. Medya, for instance, was an 11 year old who openly defied the laws against Kurdish before 2012. She taught her friends how to speak Kurdish, fought courts itself, and she will not rest until Kurdish has equal rights as Turkish as a language. But what exactly happened to the Kurds, you might ask? What are Turkey, Iran, Iraq, and Syria doing? Well, the main perpetrator here is Turkey. It reaches outside the jurisdiction of the Turkish territory and has conducted multiple drone strikes in Iran, Syria, and Iraq. By Operation Claw Tiger and Operation Claw Eagle, it took place in northern Iraq by the Iranian and Turkish military. They fought against Kurdish independence fighters or militias in the region. They even targeted the Yazidis in Iraq. It involved itself in the late Syrian civil war. In 2019, it launched Operation Peace Spring, an offensive in northern Syria against the Kurdish forces. Even the United States of America took strong notice of this and condemned this act. In fact, the Kurdish forces even allied themselves with the Americans to end their reign. The involvement of Iran in this genocide also is clear. The daily arbitrary executions of Kurdish independence fighters has spurred an armed resistance against the Ayatollah's regime in Iran. Somewhat silver lining in the deepest and darkest clouds of genocide. But we cannot forget how Syria has been involved since most Kurds living in Syria have come following the events of the 20th century in Turkey. They fled from the reign of Ataturk and the military generals. They cannot speak Kurdish, cannot name their children in Kurdish fashion, and most of them up until now did not have Syrian citizenship due to arbitrary laws. Similar situations have taken place in Iraq as well. After the execution of Saddam Hussein, the Kurds have still discriminated and ruled militarily by a force known as the Peshmerga. In 2017, the Kurdish semi-autonomous region even conducted a referendum for independence and 92% uh, responded with an affirmation for independence. However, Iraq obviously has not abided by it. Well, it seems like the Kurds really are oppressed. 
So how do we help them? Well, actually speaking, they seem to be pretty adept at helping themselves. The Kurds have been fighting a resistance throughout the 20th century and till date. There are multiple Kurdish militias operating throughout West Asia. To some they are terrorists, to others they are freedom fighters. The most important of these militias is the Partiya Karkere in Kurdistani, founded by who I call the Nelson Mandela of the Kurds, Abdullah Okalan, who is still currently in solitary confinement on an island far off Turkey. It functions in southeast Turkey and northern Iraq. Many countries do not consider the PKK to be terrorists. For example, the Supreme Court of Belgium ruled in 2020 that contravening to European Union custom, it was not a terrorist. The PKK focuses on Marxist democratism. And while the Human Rights Watch claims it has committed more than 25 massacres and many more executions, along with multiple suicide bombings, it did help launch the Halkarein Birlesek Devrim Hareketi, a united front for Turkish and Kurdish left-wing organizations fighting for independence, something which cannot be forgotten easily. Another organization is the Yakinayen Palestina Gel, which operates in Syrian Kurdistan and is a mainly youth-led organization against the ISIL. It fights with the Women's Protection Units and the Syrian Democratic Forces. And then, the Partiya Jinaya Azada Kurdistani, a leftist pro-Kurdistan anti-Ayatollah radical feminist movement. They believe, as Greta Sykes wrote about Kurdistan, armed with the latest weapons, they glare at us, thinking women cannot kill them, thinking we are just dirt and cheap. He walks into my gun, I shoot and kill him. No virgin waits him. Despite all of this, a civilian resistance too exists. The Kurdistan National Congress, which operates from Brussels, is a parliament in exile, currently co-chaired by Zainab Murad Sarab and Ahmed Karasmus. It has had difficulty attracting white attention, primarily due to its close links to the PKK. Another more poetic and cultural resistance movement has spread across the world. They believe as a proverb in Kurdistan goes, death in your feet is better than life on your knees. They have written books like the Freedom for Okulan Book of Poems, which focuses on the Kurdish through the lens of modern poetry. So what can we do? Urge our nations to recognize and support Kurdistan. We must end the decades of oppression they face. We must save their children from growing up in another war. The Kurds have a saying, the Kurds have no friends but the mountains. The worlds must prove this wrong. Support us at Veritas Populi in spreading the facts, the flip side and the face of things by liking and following our podcast. Share it with your friends and family and spread the truth because the truth belongs to the people.